Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, reading from verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates um, and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they, will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your side, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. We're grateful for your spirit and your presence that is here today. We love your word. Your word is powerful. And I thank you that your word is anointed and that your word has the power uh, to change the trajectory of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray, let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation today that even as I speak, Lord God, that ultimately you will speak a word into our hearts and lives that will shift us, change us, change our perspective, and above all else, alter our eternal destiny. We bind every work of the enemy, bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be freedom in the house. Let there be faith to hear and speak the word today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And a special welcome to all those that are listening and watching uh, at home. May God bless you. We're in a series entitled, uh, spiritual battles. Uh, we said last week one of the things that we all face in life is battles. Uh, there's battles at work. Uh, there can be battles in a family, uh, health, battles in our mind and emotions, which for me are some of the greatest battles that we have. Some of the greatest battles that we experience in life are in our mind. Can I, can I hear an amen? They're battles with our thoughts. Uh, we're not actually fighting armies and all the rest of that kind of, those kind of battles, but there can be some battles in our minds uh, that can actually do us a lot of harm and damage. And as Christians, we need to understand that we're involved in another kind of battle. It's actually a spiritual battle, that, that, that we are involved in a spiritual war. Jesus warned the church right from the outset that we would be involved in a battle, that this thing called Christianity, this thing of being belonging to the church of Jesus Christ, by belonging to the church, we would be involved in a battle. When Jesus spoke about the church for the very first time, he didn't say, I will build my church and everything will be nice. He didn't say, I will build my church and it will be easy and everyone will be happy. No, the first time Jesus mentioned the church, he spoke about it in terms of spiritual warfare. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. It means that the gates of hell would, would seek to prevail against the church, but Jesus said, it's not going to happen. We need to understand that as a church, we're involved in a battle. We may not understand the power of the church, but the enemy certainly does. And he will oppose us and he will try and distract us, discourage us, intimidate us. He will do everything he possibly can 
to limit the effectiveness of the church. And by the way, when we're speaking about the church, we're not speaking about a building. We're not speaking about a denomination. We're not speaking about uh, something that's been organised by man. We are speaking about you and me. You and me are the church. Can I hear an amen? And He will come against you and me to try to limit the work that God wants to do in our hearts and lives and through us. As a church, more than ever, we need to be aware of the battle that we're involved in. Key verse for the series is Paul's words to the Corinthian church, where he said, he's speaking about the need to forgive. He's encouraging the church to pass on forgiveness. And then he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. For, for we are not unaware of the, the devices uh, from, um, I, love the, I love the King James Version. It says from the wiles of the enemy. I don't even know what the wiles are. I don't know what they are, but they don't sound good. All right, I don't want to be involved in any of the wiles of the enemy. But it's the schemes, it's the strategies, because the enemy is forever strategizing and he's forever scheming and he's forever doing whatever he can to come against you, to get you to think differently. He's not going to get you to think towards God. He's going to get you to point you in the other direction of faith and Christianity. The reality is many of us Christians are ignorant of the enemy's schemes. And as a result, we struggle with situations that God has called us to be victorious over. In fact, the Bible tells us that the enemies at work in the world that we're living in, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's a world system. It's a, it's a world view. It's a way of thinking. You know, we're living in a world today that is not for Christianity. We're living in a world today that is always going to point against Christianity. We're living in a world today that is always going to say, no, what you believe is wrong. Uh, Christianity is wrong. Uh, and, and it's always going to point the negative picture of the church rather than see the church for what it really is and see God for who it really is. And as a result of our ignorance at times, we struggle with situations that God has called us to be victorious over. And so today I want to look at some of the typical strategies the enemy uses to come against us. I want to look at some of the typical strategies that the enemy comes, uh, that uses to come against us. And in order to do that, we're going to look at a familiar story. It's the book of Nehemiah, story of Nehemiah. Powerful little book in the Bible and there's so much to learn about leadership and about uh, building the church in this little book. Now just to give you a bit of background to the story, people of Israel um, had turned away from God. They had turned their back on God and God warned them again and again through the prophets about, hey, you need to return back to God. They didn't listen. So God sends in the Babylonians who come in and, and uh, basically destroy Israel. Uh, they destroy the temple. Uh, they destroy uh, the walls of Jerusalem. The walls were so important uh, for, for, um, for Jerusalem because it's what protected them from enemy attacks. And uh, they took many of the Jews into captivity. Years later, uh, some of them were allowed to return. And the first thing they did was uh, they rebuilt the temple. If you read the book of Ezra and uh, things like the, the books like Zechariah, you'll, you'll hear and it talks about the rebuilding of the physical temple. That's what they did first. So the temple was rebuilt, but the walls uh, were broken and Jerusalem, the Israelites were still extremely vulnerable. So Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king 
and he was like a personal assistant. He would have to uh, taste the wine before the king did. You know what I'm saying? So a good test for the king was, uh, you know, if Nehemiah didn't die, then pretty much he would be, he'd be fine. So the king was always watching his back. He's always scared someone was going to try and kill him. So, and, and this was no just, you know, taste the wine before, before I drink it. And if you die, you die and so on. It was actually a, quite a serious position. It was a senior position because if you were the cupbearer to the king, you'd want to make sure that, you know, all the food that he has and all the, you know, whatever, the wine that he drinks and whatever is all in order and that no one messes with any of that. It was actually quite a senior position. And so one day he hears a report that Jerusalem is in trouble, that the walls are broken down. And so Nehemiah begins to pray and he begins to fast and God calls him to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. God calls him to go, to go back and, and, and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah begins to, 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 to do that. He goes back and, and, and there's this interesting verse in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10 that says, When Sanballat the, the Horonite, uh, and Tobiah, he was a horror, and uh, when, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. They, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I want you to know that the enemy is always going to be disturbed. When we seek to please God, when we seek to get closer to God, when we serve the purpose of God, the enemy is always going to be disturbed. Oh, I want you to know that whenever we seek the purposes of God, when we seek the call of God on our life, we will seek opposition. We will get op opposition from the enemy. Now, I know all of that sounds a bit discouraging. And I know that all of that kind of sounds a bit daunting. So let me give you the end of the story. If you don't like to hear the end of a movie or whatever, close your ears here for just a couple of seconds. But let me give you the end of the story because I just love the way the, the, the story actually ends. The Bible says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elal uh, in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done by the help of our God. I want you to know that no matter what devices or strategies the enemy uses to come against us, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my people and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I hear an amen? Now, the strategies that the Sambalat and Tobiah used to come against uh, Nehemiah to stop the work are the very strategies the enemy uses to come against us. So I want to look at those today and there's five of them that I've kind of pulled out of Nehemiah and I pray that will speak to all of us today. One of the strategies the enemy will use to come against us is the enemy will mock us and make fun of us. That's the first one. Should have got your handouts this morning. Uh, welcome back, handouts. It's great to have you back in the service. Um, and you can write that in. The enemy will, uh, will, will mock us. Uh, the Bible says, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? As we read in our text, will they restore the wall Will they finish it in a day? One of the ways the enemy is going to seek to come against us is by mocking us, ridiculing us, by laughing at us. He will say things like, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You can't do that. 
Do you, do you really think that God can use someone like you? Only people with psychological problems really believe in God anyway. Who believes in God these days anyway? You're not smart enough, capable enough, spiritual enough. Remember Paul said, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The word schemes there is the word numia. It actually means thoughts. And at times he will come against us in our hearts and in our mind. And if he doesn't, if that doesn't work at times, he will use people. Some of the, one of the greatest spiritual battles that we will experience, we will experience it in our mind. And one of the ways the enemy comes against us is with thoughts trying to ridicule us and to mock us. It's one of the strategies that the enemy has. And if he doesn't work in our mind, it will, it will also use people to ridicule us and to come against us. I've said this story before, but I remember when I first started uh, one of my jobs and uh, I, was, I was all of, I don't know, 17, 18, something like that. And uh, I was in a job, I was open about my Christianity. And I remember um, uh, one time we were sitting in the lunchroom and we were having lunch with my co-workers and one of them brings up, and I was thinking about it this week and it was obviously an attack on me, but uh, she brings up the question, do you believe in, in evolution or, Christ, or Christianity, you know, or, or uh, creation, sorry. And uh, they're going around the room. I'm the last one, right? So it was a setup. It was a, it was a pure setup. And it was purely motivated to ridicule. Do you believe in evolution or creation? And, you know, evolution, evolution, evolution. And then it got to me. And, you know, what am I going to say? Well, I'm going to say the truth. And uh, I said, I believe in, you know, creation. And they laughed. They just started laughing and, and you know, couldn't believe that. And, and, you know, I said at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand on what I believe to be true. Uh, you know, the Bible says in the beginning God. You can either believe in the beginning God or in the beginning gas. I tell you, I'd rather believe in the beginning God. You know what I'm saying? And uh, because I believe that, that, that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth in the name of Jesus. He came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, died on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Uh, that to me makes more sense than a bang. And then here we have it. You know, here it is. It takes a lot of faith to believe that um, I'd rather believe in, in, in God. One of the ways the enemy is going to come against us, he's going to mock the church of Jesus Christ. He's going to try and ridicule us, try and make us think, or oh, you're nothing. You know, uh, uh, you, you're weak to be a Christian. It's a weakness to be a, 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 a Christian. And certainly that message is coming across loud and strong through the media. How did Nehemiah respond? He said, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. I, I love what Nehemiah did. He didn't argue with them, didn't reason with them, try and prove a point. Nehemiah prayed. And when we feel like we're being ridiculed, we need to understand that it's an attack of the enemy. It's an attack of our faith. The greatest thing that we can do, don't try and argue, don't try and reason. The greatest thing that we can do is pray. And believe that God is going to see us through. Never feel like you have to defend your position. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. You don't have to defend God because God can defend himself. Now, you know, thank God for apologetics. One, you know, there's been, you know, over the last few years, there's been just, just some, some great material out there. Ravi Zacharias, who's, who's gone to be with the Lord, has written some amazing material about, you know, why we believe what we do and, and how to reason our faith. And most people that come against the church never bother to look or read about, you know, why it is that we believe what we do. Because actually there's a lot of very logical reasoning to explain why it is that we believe what we do. 
It's not like as Christians, we do leave our brain out the door. No, our brain comes along with us and we've looked at all the information and we've looked at all the different options that are out there. And I tell you, Christianity makes a lot of sense. And I haven't seen anything better than Christianity right now. If I do, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to consider it, but I haven't seen anything better than Christianity. Never feel like you have to defend your position. Never feel like you have to prove anything to anyone. Paul says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you because the enemy is going to try and move you. The, the enemy is going to try and shift, get you to shift from your position. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Number two, the second of the strategies the enemy uses to come against us is fatigue. It's fatigue. The Bible says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Fatigue. This is a really important principle. One of the ways the enemy seeks to weaken us is through fatigue. Here were the people of Israel. They were worn out. They had worked a long time. They were physically exhausted. And it was affecting their perception and it was affecting their resolve. Rick Warren says, when we're physically down, it's hard to be emotionally and spiritually up. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And note, notice their confession. Note, they're getting tired. They're getting worn out. They're saying, there is so much rubble. We cannot rebuild the wall. Even though they were called to rebuild the wall, even though they had God on their side, their perception had suddenly shifted. Fatigue affects our perception and weakens our resolve. We need to understand this more than ever. We're living in an age where we're running at a crazy speed. We think we can do anything. We think we can do everything. We think weak people burn out, but it won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. What we fail to understand is how physical tiredness affects our spiritual well-being. We underestimate how physical tiredness affects our spiritual well-being. It affects how we think. It affects how we feel. It affects our perception. The mountains look bigger. The work seems harder. We seem weaker. When we're, when, when we're tired, it affects everything about us. More than all of that, uh, a weariness is a breeding ground for the enemy. Weariness is fertile ground for the enemy to come against us. It's when we're down, it's when we're weak, it's when we're tired that he begins to come against us because it affects our perception and our resolve. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is get some rest. Can I hear an amen? amen. Just get some rest because it'll build you up so that you can be everything that God has called you to be. To take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Number three, another strategy the enemy uses is to come against us with fear and intimidation. The Bible says, also our enemy said before they knew it, that they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. One of the great weapons of the enemy one of the great strategies that the enemy will use to come against us is fear and intimidation. Something bad is going to happen to you. You're not going to make it. This is going to be the end to you. Wherever they turn, they're going to be there to come and attack us. We need to understand that whenever we experience fear, it's a strategy of the enemy. 
that the purpose of fear is to paralyze us. It's to keep us from moving forward, to make us ineffective. Fear has a, has a powerful effect on our lives. How many teams, sports teams, have, have done well for a whole season? We won't mention their names or any, any particular teams. And then they get to the grand final and, and they just seem to go, you know, in the complete opposite direction. What is it? It's not a skill issue. It's not, it's not that they haven't done well. It's a fear issue. It's an anxiety issue. Purpose of fear is to paralyze us. The good news is that if you've ever experienced fear, you're in good company. One of the most frequently mentioned promises of the Bible is fear not. Do not be afraid. In Isaiah, God says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Nehemiah sensing the fear in the people. He begins to, to speak to them and he begins to encourage them. And I love this. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Do not be afraid of them. What I love about Nehemiah is he begins to speak to them. He begins to remind them about who God is and what God wants to do in their lives. You see, one of the reasons why we experience fear is because we believe that the enemy is stronger, that something bad is going to ha happen, and, and, and that, that we kind of forget who God is. And Nehemiah says, remember who God is. Remember who called you. Remember the great and awesome God that we serve. And fight for your families. You know, one of, the, one, one of the reasons why we experience fear, we forget God. We forget what God has done in our lives. We forget the many times that God has seen us through. And so we start to experience fear. The antidote to fear is faith. You need to remember the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. That the one who's called you, he is faithful and, and he will see you through in the name of Jesus, by his grace and for his glory. So what do you do when you experience fear? One of the things that we need to do is we need to bind that spirit of fear and intimidation. The Bible says, uh, Paul says in, in Timothy, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We, un we need to understand that whenever we, we, we're experiencing fear and intimidation, we need to understand that there's a spirit behind them. It's a weapon of the enemy to try to weaken us and to try to get us to pull back. And we need to resist that spirit in the name of Jesus. David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all our fears. We need to bind that spirit of fear and intimidation and bring our fear into the presence of God and bring it to God. As I said, I love that scripture. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me. From all my fears. The way to overcome some fear is to do the very thing fear is saying not to do. It's to face it. And the other way is to just trust God. Trust the God who loves you and cares of you. Because the Bible says perfect love carves out fear. And you need to know that God loves you and he cares about you. And he will see you through. Psalm 91 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. The fourth thing the enemy will try and and do is distract us. When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies uh, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent out me, me this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono, 
but they were scheming to harm me. If the enemy can't get us to stop the work, then he will try and distract us from the very thing that God has called us to do. He will get us to do things, get involved with things, get sidetracked by issues and situations that God is not calling us to do. At times, some of those things may even seem good, but they're not the will of God for us. Nehemiah responds, and I love the way Nehemiah uh, responds back to these messages that were coming to him. He says, so I sent messages to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I love the way ne Nehemiah says, I, I'm not going to come down to you. I cannot come down to you. The enemy will always try to get us to come down to his level. He's always going to get us, he's always going to try and get us to, to pull us down from the work that God has called us to do and bring us down to his level. And he will distract us and tempt us and get our eyes off the call of God and and, and, and on, on, onto things that will bring us down to his level. It's why Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. And your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone who he may devour. That's why the Bible says we need to be vigilant and we need to be alert because often the enemy will come and, and distract us with different things. Some of those things may be even good, but it's not what God has called us to do. And as a church, it's the same. We, we can get involved in so many different things and so many different purposes. But I'm very, very careful to be careful that we, do, we don't get distracted from the very things that God has called us to do, from who has called us to be as a church. Fifth way the enemy comes against us is to attack us from within. And it's one final way. Bible says, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of, man, alive, who was shut in his home. Three very difficult names. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming down to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. And what, what's interesting here in this particular story, I mean, the enemies used different strategies. None of it's worked. And, and the interesting thing is that Shemaiah was actually a Jew. He was one of them. This wasn't Sambalat or Tobiah. It wasn't out, an, an, an external person. This, this was one of them. And he was seeking to trap him. And, and notice the spiritual language. It's meet in the temple. It's almost, it almost sounds spiritual. We need to understand that the enemy is going to come against us in two ways. There are times when he will use opposition from outside. And if that doesn't work, there'll be opposition from within. And, and there are times where the enemy will use people and situations to come against us. And then there are the internal battles with our thoughts and with our emotions. Ne Nehemiah discerns that God is not in this. And he refuses to go. And the, Bible, and, the, and the Bible says, should, should I come down? Uh, should, should I leave my post? And he says, no way. The Bible says, resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. The enemy is relentless. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't come against us in one way, he, he will try and come against us in another way. And we need to be aware of the strategies of the enemy. We need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy so that we can resist every work of the enemy. And then we get to our key verse. So the war was completed in 25, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard about this, 
all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. There it is again. We're involved in a battle. And sometimes that battle feels like it's relentless. It's one thing after another. It's one situation after another. Sometimes like the people of Israel, we can feel like this is too much. I can't handle this. What we need to remember is that we don't fight on our own. That God is fighting for us. That God is on our side. I love it. It says, um, because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Darling Czech wrote a song um, some years ago and it said, you know, God is fighting for us. It's pushing back the darkness. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, the enemy is defeated. And we will shout it out. Shout it out. Paul is in prison and he's alone. And everyone, everyone has, has deserted him. Every, everyone, everyone's left him. And so he writes to Timothy and he says this. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Maybe some of you are under attack here today. Maybe some, some of you are under attack here today. Some of you feel like you're in a spiritual battle. Oh, there's some issues that you're facing at the moment and, and there are some struggles you're going through, but you, you, you know that there's something behind this. That there's more to this thing than just whatever it is that you're facing. You know that it's a spiritual battle. I want to remind you that God is with you, that God is fighting for you in the name of Jesus. Not, not, not to give in, but to keep on fighting because God will see you through. And by the grace of God, Overcome every attack in the name of Jesus, by His grace and for His glory. Will you stand with me? I'm just going to sing a chorus as we bring the service to a close. Thank you.